Tuesday, January 29th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Inside Value, Joe Mager from Motley Fool Hidden Gems, Chief Investment Officer here at the Motley Fool, Andy Cross. Good to see you guys. Howdy. Hi, Chris. Uh, Earnings Palooza rolls on. We're going to talk Yahoo, Ford, Harley-Davidson, and a story that I just can't get enough of uh, here in Virginia. Um, we may be creating our own currency here in the state of Virginia. We'll get to that. Mm. Um, uh, Dollars but, are worth nothing. Exactly. Uh, but as our editor-in-chief at Fool.com, Brian Richards, would say, uh, we have a programming note, and that is uh, something that I think a few of our listeners may already know about is we have a new show called Investor Beat. It's a new daily video show that we've started doing uh, every day at 5 o'clock Eastern on Fool.com. Uh, it's a market wrap show um, that uh, uh, maybe some of you had had the, uh, the chance to check out already. Um, and you may be, if you're just hearing about this for the first time, you may be asking, um, what's the difference between this and market foolery? Um, there is some overlap. From a personnel standpoint, it's b- going to be basically exactly the same. So, so on, on today's Investor Beat, uh, Andy Cross and Joe Mager uh, will be featured. Um, Double feature. Exactly. Uh, some of the stories will overlap. I think one of the key differences is that uh, on Investor Beat, we're going to be covering more stocks. Every day we're covering probably in the range of 8 to 10 stocks. Um, we also have what we refer to as side-of-desk segments, sort of video segments with featuring more of our analysts out in the office, uh, also special guests that we've had come through, The Motley Fool, authors, etc., uh, and also some features. Uh, our man Rex Moore uh, was out at the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas and put together a bunch of videos that, that we featured on Investor Beat. Um, so we hope you check it out. We have a, a partnership with MSN Money. They're going to be featuring it on their site every day uh, at 5 o'clock as well. Um, but, uh, Joe, you know we have dozens of listeners around the world. We're getting close to scores. We are getting close to scores, but for right now, our dozens of listeners. So if you're on the East Coast, 5 o'clock, you can just go to fool.com and check out InvestorBeat. If you're in California, obviously, 2 o'clock. Um, and it'll be up on fool.com starting at that time. So you don't, you know, if you're there at, at 6 o'clock Eastern time, it'll still be there on fool.com. Uh, Sydney, Australia. That's 9 a.m. So starting at 9 a.m. Noted. You can check out InvestorBeat. Uh, and for our listeners in Bangalore, India, and we do have them, 3.30 in the morning. So starting at 3.30 a.m. on Fool.com. Get some coffee. Yeah, get some coffee, set the alarm, wake up early, uh, check out InvestorBeat. All right, let's start with uh, earnings, Palooza. Well, let's start with Yahoo. Fourth quarter earnings came in higher than expected. Uh, Andy, kind of curious to see the reaction with the stock because uh, they – Posted results after market yesterday. Shares were up after market and pre-market this morning, uh, and then sort of dipped right before we came into the studio. We'll get back to the stock, but first, what did you make of Yahoo's quarter? I mean, Chris, if you're accusing investors of being fickle beasts, I have no, I have no comment to that. Shocking. I'm sure, I'm, I'm shocking. Shocking. Listen, I think, I think what's happening at Yahoo is a really great story from a business perspective. And for Yahoo, if you work at Yahoo, you're especially excited, I think. If you're an investor in Yahoo, you're excited. Shares are up 35% or so since Marissa Mayer took over from Google, when she came over from Google. I think there's a lot of exciting things that are happening, and that's good because the Yahoo brand itself was dormant for so many years, even though they have great properties. The fact that you even um, invested in Yahoo or maybe owned Yahoo, it was a long, just tough sled to get to this point. Marissa's come in. She's brought some life into the story. She's boosted morale. And I think it's going to ha- it's going to impact their business because they've had a lot of distractions with the Alibaba and lots of board 
uh, CEO turnover and some board squabbles. So right. I think she's brought some stability there. Now, whether that impacts um, the financials and the business over the next year or so when this honeymoon period for her kind of rolls off, we'll, you know, we'll have to wait and see for that one. Uh, Joe, you were on uh, CNBC last night talking about this. What, what did you make of the quarter? Well, I think that the honeymoon period is about to end. I think Marissa is doing, because, you know, we're on a first name basis. I was going to say. I think she's making all the right moves in terms of getting the right people on board and getting them excited, making a lot of small bets, but still a business that's struggling to grow organically. And yes, they have a great balance sheet, but there are questions and assets, namely Alibaba. But what are they going to do with that cash when it comes back? They've been buying back shares, which... You know, I guess it's all a matter of perspective, but I would rather see that cash come back. And, uh, you know, you're buying back shares. You don't have internal reinvestment opportunities. That's that's a little spooky, and you wonder if this money is good after bad. Yeah, and you don't have – it's not like you have competitors that are just sitting out there just twiddling their thumbs. Right. I mean, some really big, innovative companies out there taking shots at them and uh, taking market share. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about, you know, low single-digit growth for Yahoo in terms of yeah. sales. Google's posting near 20%. eBay's doing almost 20% organically. You know, they're not buying their way into this. So when you're just treading water, that is not that is not enough. When you consider how important mobile is for all of these companies that you just mentioned, Joe, uh, obviously it is important to Yahoo as well. And yet, unlike uh, some of their competitors, they don't have any hardware. There's no Yahoo tablet or, or smartphone. They don't have their own browser. They don't have their own operating system. As we've talked about many times before, mobile is tough for everybody. It seems like it's going to be especially tough for Yahoo. Agree? Yeah. <laughs> yes, I do. And I think Marissa understands that. Again, we're close. First name basis. Yes. So I think she understands that, and that's why they've been investing heavily on apps and improving the the user experience of search and mobile. And I think those are all smart moves. But that said, if there's one thing that Google really figured out that separated them from, frankly, from Yahoo, from AltaVista, from the other search engines, <coughs> search engines before them that failed, aside from just being a better widget, is that they moved closer to the customer and moved upstream. And it's going to be really difficult for Yahoo to do that on other people's operating systems. Uh, Andy, we were talking before the the taping. I think Marissa Mayer has had as about a a good uh, first six months on the job as CEO as anyone I can think of. Um, And to Joe's point, the honeymoon period, I think rightly, probably ends at six months. Um, If she has brought stability to the company, and I think she has, what is sort of the next mountain to conquer? Because um, it seems like for the success that she has enjoyed and the company has enjoyed, it only gets harder from here. Yeah, I mean, like she is – if Silicon Valley is like, you know, a Ferrari, she's, you know, turning around this ship is like a battleship, you know, stuck in the mud. So this is this is going to be a long time. Six months is not, is not enough time for her right now. So while um, I agree with Joe and I mentioned my little joke about investors being fickle and finicky, um, that is true. There's going to – you're going to have to give her some more time to get this all, you know, squared away. But to, to your point, Chris, is – and we talked about this earlier earlier, 
it, it comes down to financials and, and, and business success. And, and she has to be able to grow this business at, at a faster rate than, you know, a little bit above inflation. I mean, that's just not going to cut it inside the valley. You're not going to maintain morale. You're not going to have you're not going to have people knocking on your door to come to come work there. And if they are more of a media company than a tech company, well, you have those media platforms. But that's a very tough position to be into when you're you know, you're chasing against the, the Googles and, and even Microsoft, which is, you know, had some life breathe into it, too, and some invigoration and some some innovation. So um, f- to me, you need to see it end up in the financials. And I, th- I think there's a good chance she may have some success. The question is, will it be enough to keep the stock moving higher from here? From a stock perspective, and we'll just wrap up on Yahoo on this point. Um, as you said, it's been a nice run uh, of late. I think shares this morning hit something like a, a four-year high. Um, but I'm wondering if, given everything both of you just said, if someone is sitting on the sidelines watching this stock and thinking about getting in, do they wait until the next quarter? Because it seems like it's been a great first six months, but I would almost, and I'm not a shareholder, but I would almost want to wait and see what the next quarter brings. Well, generally, as a value investor, I like to be the guy who gets in before the people who are waiting to see. But that's typically in situations where I have high conviction that the turnaround has already started turning. In this case, we're a long way from there being clear, discernible traction at Yahoo. Yeah, my, Chris, I, I think if you are going to invest in Yahoo, certainly it needs to be part of a diversified portfolio. That's extremely important. I wouldn't go, you know, um, hog wild and jump in, right, you know, all right now or at one time. Add a little bit if you want to start a position here and and, and see. But I mean, trying to guess when this may this stock may be more reasonable, so to speak, um, is probably a sucker's bet. Shares of Ford down more than 5% this morning. Fourth quarter earnings came in higher than expected. Uh, but, Joe, the guidance for operations in Europe were... Um, brutal. Yeah, they were just dour, brutal, pessimistic. Yeah. Take your you know, word of choice. Bad. They were yeah, bad. And, but not really surprising, right? No, no, not surprising. But fourth quarter volume was down 22% in yeah. Europe. I mean, that is a so the savage. extremes, like the volume may be surprising. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, definitely. And for a company with as much... You know, overhead at car companies is very high. And when you see a 22% drop in volume, that is a brutal, brutal loss. And there's no clear turnaround in sight on that. They're also going to have a tough 2013 because GM finally has new cars rolling off the line later this year. That's going to steal some share. And, you know, it's going to be a tough year or two if you're a Ford investor. Is Europe going backwards? It seemed like... by this point, I mean, thinking about the conversations we've had in this room for now going on four yeah. years, it seems like if you had told me back in, you know, this time in 2010, oh, no, 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 Think, things are actually going to be as bad or worse in January 2013, I would have said, I don't see how that's possible. And yet that's when I see results like this, granted, it's one company, but it, it it's a big company. I'm just wondering if Europe is just becoming a black hole, particularly when it comes to stock investing. Well, we may in four years we may be having the same conversation about <laughs> Europe. Europe. Um, I, I hope not, and I think I think there actually there's some signs of of life trickling out of the European zone. So. Um, Again, as you mentioned, Chris, some big number like this when a, when a company like Ford comes out and says Europe is such a struggle right now, that's that's meaningful. On the opportun- on the uh, optimistic side, when it comes to Ford, 
there are some bright signs. The North American business was extremely healthy. Yep. That was great. We're seeing some of their investments in China, and they're plunking a bunch of money up to $5 billion into China over the past year or so. That's big investments that are going to pay off dividends, I, I hope and I expect, down the road. So, you know, it's kind of like, hey, don't look at my left hand where Europe is so bad. It's pay attention <laughs> to my right hand. And that, that is some, some good signs because the North American business, especially when it comes to the pickup trucks, which are so profitable for them and such high margin business for them is, is, is doing well. So, you know, there are some really good, healthy signs that are coming out of Ford. Uh, Joe, you mentioned GM. Um, what is their exposure in Europe relative to Ford's? <laughs> Sizable. <laughs> I mean, this is going to be, I think GM's going to have a tough fourth quarter, and it's going to be a combination of a really bad quarter and outlook in Europe. And they're really struggling to exit Europe to just reduce capacity. But it's difficult because of labor laws. Um, it's tough to let people go, basically, in the auto industry in Europe. So that's one big challenge. The second is I think they're going to take a pretty big hit on their pension. And that's non-cash, but it's also real in the sense that it ultimately has to be paid. So it's going to be a tough quarter. <laughs> But looking ahead, I, I do feel pretty good about later in the year. And we did, and Ford did come out just in North America with some guidance on um, total industry sales being up higher than they were in 2012. So that at least is a good sign in North America. Yeah, and one of GM's products that's rolling later this year is the Chevy Silverado, which is their most valuable brand. Pickup trucks do have very wide margins, as Andy was saying. And then this is going to be the first new launch for them, a big one in a while, and I think it's going to bring in a lot of dollars. But we're talking back half of the year. But as a long-term investor, I'm willing to wait, but you know, I am eager to, to see that happen. Is that why you were recommending I buy a new Chevy Silverado? Absolutely. Get one for <laughs> buy, a friend, too. Exactly. Buy a few of them, Chris. Maybe a Volt. Uh, uh, you know what? Of the two, the Silverado is a more likely scenario. You only uh, live a block away, Chris. <laughs> exactly. I can just walk on top of the Silverado. <laughs> uh, kind of a mixed bag for Harley-Davidson. Higher sales of motorcycles in the U.S. and abroad, but uh, fourth quarter profits were lower. Uh, revenue was lower. Andy, what'd you make of the quarter? Yeah, I thought, well, it, it, I don't think it was too you know surprising on kind of what we saw you know from, from Harley-Davidson. Um, you know, interesting... That their uh, the sales on, on the unit side were up, um, and we saw a little bit of momentum. It was up six percent for the year and seven and a half percent in the fourth quarter. And it looks like they took some share too, because total sales for for the heavy duty um, choppers cycles um, were up four percent for the year. So so things are kind of moving in the right way of what you want to see. You know, Harley Davidson their operating income was was up substantially on some some reductions in in some cost savings, a little bit of increase in gross margin for the quarter, which is good too, meaning they're managing some of their costs, right? Um, they've been spending a lot of effort and a lot of time on restructuring the business and making some investments. We hear about a lot of companies not making investments back into their plant and their infrastructure. Harley-Davidson has actually done that into their plants to help manage their inventories, and they've done a very good job of that. And they expect to, to, to reap somewhere in the neighborhood of 300 to $340 million in cost savings a year going out the next few years. So that's a very good sign for investors because that will help them manage their cost structure and allow that that the sales to increment um, higher profits down the road. Uh, the stock is at a five-year high, so obviously it's had a great run, and it seems like the business is strong. But I, I was sort of looking through sort of the profile of the company, and one of the things that popped out of me is, in terms of direct competition, all of their competitors are private. Triumph, Viper, etc. They are all private. And that's just one of those things that, and I may be overthinking this, but 
that's one of those things that as an investor, I look at that and I automatically think that is a negative for Harley-Davidson. Just because, as we've talked about before, when you're a private company, you don't have to deal with the public markets. Yeah. You, you, know, you, can, you can make tougher decisions um, you know, without being in the bright light of day. Um, am I overthinking that or is that, is that a negative? I mean, whether it's Harley-Davidson or any company, as investors, do you, would you guys – always rather see the companies that you're investing in competing against other public companies? Not always. You are onto something there, but I'll use airlines as a good example. So what really keeps the airline industry from getting anywhere in terms of profits isn't just overcapacity, but they've been working their way towards reducing it. But the big problem is you have a lot of semi-private or government-backed airlines around the world that don't really care about making money on them. Mm. And when you have businesses or competition that isn't motivated by profits, that's just incredibly difficult to compete with. And you could arguably say that about Amazon, you know, when you're trying to compete against a company that's one-third owed by the CEO, who's basically said, literally, your margin is my opportunity. (laughs) Good Lord, you know, how do you compete with this guy? That's tough. I will say on the the Harley-Davidson side, you know, a lot of their competitors, while some are private-owned, are parts of larger companies, BMW, Polaris Industries, which I mentioned yesterday, and they reported earnings this morning, which are pretty good, but they were guided for a little bit of a weary um, 2013. They they bought and have rechristened the Indian motorcycle brand. So they're coming out very heavy and very strong against Harley-Davidson around the world and trying to breathe some life back into a brand that has a lot of loyal followers, but really had died off and gone through a few different ownership structures. So interesting because a lot of those private companies or some companies are owned and inside of larger um, companies, and and you don't have quite the insights you may get from a standalone company. Uh, just to wrap up on the stock, as I mentioned, shares of Harley Davidson at a five year high. Um, it's a strong brand. It's a well run company. Is is the valuation of this company? Is this sort of a richly valued company, or is this still a fair value even with the run up it's had? Yeah. Well, I f- from. Um, the valuation perspective, I think any time a company like this has had a lot of good things kind of going forward in the space of the last six months, and the stock is up 25% over the last six months versus 10% for the S&P 500. I think when you see a story like that, um, while the earnings seem to have some very good signs of life, I would kind of wait to see the stock pull back for a little bit before yep. I go jump in. It's not, this is not a kind of company that I, I think comfortable in, uh, in chasing. Uh, and finally, a member of Virginia's House of Delegates uh, is so very concerned that the Federal Reserve System may fail uh, due to hyperinflation, external attack, or whatever, uh, and thus the U.S. monetary system will collapse. And because he's so concerned, he has proposed legislation to study the creation of an alternate Virginia currency in gold and silver coins. Um, uh, I got to say, as a... What ta- happened to privatizing liquor stores? <laughs> I thought this was a priority in Virginia. That In the last gubernatorial campaign in 2009, yes, Bob McDonald, our current governor, did say that was one of his priorities. But and we got fired up about that. We were Where ve- have you been? We were very it's all fired. about gold and silver these days. I, got- I would much rather we spend our time privatizing liquor stores 
then get me my Jack uh, Daniels. Yeah, and who are the people? Well, so people but, on the uh, I should say that uh, this legislation, which is moving through the state house, it is out of subcommittee. Mm-hmm. It, it's on it's on its way to full committee. Um, it allocates more than thirteen thousand dollars. So as a taxpayer, I'm thrilled that my dollars are going to fund something Wait, like your this. Your gold dollars or your actual <laughs> real dollars? Well, so that's the thing. One of the one of the the ripple effects of this story is sort of okay. It, what if we had an alternate currency here in Virginia? Who would be on these coins? And names are being bandied about like historic leaders, James Madison, mm-hmm. Stonewall Jackson, Robert E. Lee. But Alan that, Iverson. But not, uh, not <laughs> Alan Iverson, but Arthur Ashe, Patsy Cline. Arthur Ashe. Clarence Clemens, yeah. who our producer Matt Greer, big, big Springsteen fan. Yep. I know he'd be in favor of a yep. Clarence the Clemens big man. coin. Yep. Um, well, I'm getting rid of my dollars right there, man. Are you? You're yeah. just, just going to yeah, toss, toss it Toss them inside. I'm just going to use done. tobacco instead and trade that. Chewy tobacco or used tobacco? Used tobacco, used tobacco is, tobacco a, is a currency, is a medium yeah. of trade. I'm yeah. Getting back very, to our Virginia yeah, roots. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, down in Richmond and a lot of tobacco farmers down What there. do you think you're going to do when the, cause when the I mean, if the monetary system yep. collapses, we're all out of jobs. Right. Good luck smoking your gold coin, buddy. <laughs> are we moving to Maryland? Well, actually, I live in Maryland, so... On that note, Joe Mager, Andy Cross. Guys, thanks for being here. Thank you. Thanks, Chris. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Matt Creer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>